What's up, Spell Singers? My name is Gary and John Wells. I'm Drew Flitton. And I'm Corey Janabagian. And this is Untap, Upkeep, Drink. Beer up. What's up? What's up? Welcome back, guys. Uh, today we're going to be continuing our color wheel series. We're going to finalize it with the color green. That's right. Ooh. It's episode five of the color wheel series. Green, last but certainly not least. Oh, certainly not. Red's the least. Uh, shut. <laughs> no, we're going to get into I it. But see first, a fight up in here. We got some beers in front That's of us, and uh, <laughs> we're going to need to review them real quick because I'm going to. Chug <laughs> Delicious. So, the first one, I'm rocking the 10 Barrel Brewing Company Crush Cucumber Sour. Now, so we were kind of suggested this one, or maybe not this one specifically, but Cucumber Sours by Sam from Ristic yep, Studies. From Ristic Studies. So, like, me and Corey really like sours as a general rule, but yeah. I'd never even heard of a cucumber sour. And as soon as I heard about it, I was, I was, oh, yeah. I love. We started cucumbers. talking to Sam on Twitter, just kind of like, hey, have you ever tried this? Have you ever tried this? And he was like, oh, you know, I've, I've never tried very many sours, but I really like this cucumber sour. And I was like, oh God, we're going to have to find one of those because that sounds delicious. And then we got this nice session sour from Tenbro. If you like sours... You think sours are refreshing. If you like cucumbers, you think cucumbers are refreshing. You put those two together, you have the most summer beer of it's all time. banging. This one we've got here is actually a Utah beer, so it's 3.2%. So I'll be honest, this is my favorite sour I've ever fucking it's tried. It's so good. This thing is amazing. Yeah, I hate yeah. sours. And, I mean, you'll see that as I talk about my beer. But first, <laughs> let's let Corey talk about his, but... This cucumber sour is so super out of all the sours, I actually ranked the cucumber one on the bottom, which is strange, which shows you how good it the other ones are because yeah. cucumber one is one of my favorites. The raspberry was very good, but I think this one's better I in think my opinion. The the tangerine and the lemon, oh god, those are so oh, good. I can imagine those are lemon so would citrusy, fit. Yeah. but Man, so really good. Yeah, I'm rocking fresh tart, mm. the sea quake hazy IPA, 7.2, 35 IBUs. We not we don't hate IPAs on the show. It's just we don't usually they're not our go tos. Last choice. Yeah. Well, I, I feel that a lot of IPAs, just, especially modern IPAs, have just become a little too strong for our. Yeah, days. they're they're kind of a lot of them are bitter for bitter's sake. Yeah, which well, a lot of people like. It's just not what we sort of gravitate to. Yeah, I was just gonna say this about the hazy IPA, the beer that we were drinking on the last episode, the double chocolate stout was yeah. what sixty IBU or something yeah, like yeah. that. It, yeah, it's almost as twice as bitter. This as one's thirty five, and it still to me tastes really bitter. And I think it's like the type of bitter. This one's like yeah. a plant based bitter instead of a malt coffee bitter. Uh, which you know the people who really like those IPAs feel that's like crisp and refreshing, but. I still think yeah. that the, the hazy IPA that Corey has here is, is very nice. I like that yeah. it's very citrusy and fruity in its taste. The the hops really brings those kind of characteristics to it. And that the the bitterness is kind of like a lingering aftertaste rather than a bitterness for bitterness sake, as Corey was talking about. I think that hazy IPAs are my preferred type of IPAs because yeah, it brings those sort of flavors. Same with like unfiltered IPAs, just because they bring a lot more fruity characteristics rather than just like the piney bitterness. Yeah. It's not just bitter. Yeah. Just IPAs just in general can have a lot of different flavors. Specifically I, hazy IPAs are usually citrusy. And so you're, if you like citrusy beers, then 
Yeah, and you can when you're comparing like the color between yours and mine, mine is lighter, but it's also like almost completely clear where yours is quite murky, murky, hazy. Yeah, just Um, golden orange. It's good for an IPA for sure. Yeah, I I think it's a very pleasant IPA. Uh, And then I'm rocking the Sequench Ale. This is a a uh, session sour from Dogfish Head Brewery, uh, 4.9 percent and 10 IBUs, so it's. Not really bitter at all, but I'm I'm not a fan of this one. Uh, to me, like this is a gose, which is a kind of salted sour, right? Uh, and to me, it tastes like you took like a very salty sour, like lime taco or something like that. Enjoyed it, and then kind of threw it up a little, or like had like one of those weird burps. <laughs> it's I disagree hundred percent, but I see where you're coming because it's it's kind of vinegary. Mm-hmm. It sort of got that. It's very acidic. Yeah, that I think burn you and my wife are kind of similar in the my way wife. My wife, <laughs> you're very similar in the way you perceive sours. It's kind of like she's really against cilantro. She just hates. I agree. The taste of cilantro. I agree. And I would eat cilantro as like the base to my salad. Oh yeah, no um, cilantro. And no, so I think it's one of those things where like if you don't like sours, they do taste like bile. It tastes like way too acidic for you. See, but the if odd you thing like is sours. This one. It's actually less limey than I thought it would be. Oh, really? Um, like the lime for me is very front and central. And it is a, a black lime, which is one of the aged limes. Yeah, yeah. it's just a weird way but to process limes. But it's just real limes. tart. And uh, for a sour, it's less fresh than what you would normally think of as a sour. It's kind of a dank sour. <laughs> I love it. I, it's my favorite of the three here. Oh, really? Oh, oh no, God. definitely not. So good. Um but yeah, it, it is quite tart. So if you're adverse to the tartness of sours, it's probably not the first one you want to you want to. Yeah, I really like it. We've had it. I, Gary and I, we said we've had it a few times. Yeah, yeah. This is kind of it's a mashup between a Kolsch and like a Gose, and that's kind of like slightly funky, like just just slightly funky, uh, and then that kind of like salty sourness that you get yeah. out of a, a Gose. Me and Drew are a little funky. Okay. I disagree. I'm not. I'm feeling a little hazy. <laughs> uh, that's, I think, enough of the beers. We'll get back to talk for a minute. Magic. But let's get into it. All right. So, as always, we want to start this episode by talking about the Mark Rosewater quote from 2014. It's blog at uh, White seeks peace through structure. Blue seeks perfection through knowledge. Black seeks power through ruthlessness. Red seeks freedom through action. And green seeks acceptance through growth. So as we talk about green, we definitely want to talk about growth. Uh, acceptance, I feel, is kind of on the back burner for us because when we think about green, we really think about power, toughness, fighting, the big boys. growth in nature as well as just the, the creatures in general. Uh, it's so, kind of hard to personify seeking acceptance, which is kind of a, an internal emotion <laughs> on, on cards. But I think, I think green gets the point across that it's very much about growth. Yeah. So um, we've kind of broken this down into a few different categories. Um, the first being that nature is the law of the land. Where white wants to create its own laws and follow man's law, and blue kind of wants to reinvent the laws, green lives within the laws, which are created by nature. The natural order of things is the way that things should be. The second category we have is just strength. Green focuses on the strong. If we think of the word evolution, uh, the strong survive and the weak do not. Uh, the next 
category is sort of in the same vein. It's growth. It's about you know going from one thing to the next, being able to grow with your surroundings, being able to change and evolve and become the most powerful thing or the or the most efficient thing. So let's let's take it back and start with nature and how nature is a lot of land. So Gary was getting into this, and this is exemplified extremely well with card natural order both in just flavor and what it does and it's just how it happens out in the wild that's the way it's supposed to we should just take that and go with it that's the natural way of doing it and this idea just weaves through all of green and you can see this in cards like survival of the fittest one of one of the more famous green cards and then through a mechanic that green relies a lot on for removal which is a lot of the fight cards these are cards like prey upon savage punch savage punch yeah um green also likes the idea of coexisting with nature um not like the manipulation of nature so we've got cards like treetop village and primeval bounty that sort of exemplify how you know you would live with the way that things are instead of trying to change the the surroundings yeah the idea is that green wants to work with the land yeah right and we really see that especially in like the mana dorks right the creatures that pump out mana as as if the land does Um, sort of being in tune with the land itself yeah exactly and we all see this with like the green untap themes which heavily focus on untapping lands like juniper order druid arbor elf elder druid really just trying to work with work with nature as much as possible and as efficiently as possible to make sure that you're benefiting and the the world around you is benefiting right you're not trying to detract from nature you're really just trying to help it grow and to be in harmony with it yeah if you think of the idea that you're drawing all this mana and all this power out of the land and using it and all of these creatures are sort of just exemplifying that and like you said making it the most efficient way possible yeah, another thing I really like about green, probably because I'm such a, a black forward player, is that green has a pretty strong emphasis on life and death as well. Um, not necessarily in like necromancy or re. It's not a parasitic way, right? right. So it's we've got very- like reincarnation and regeneration instead of of just bring something back to life for the sake. Yeah. Um, so we've got cards like pattern of rebirth, life from the loam life's legacy so it's not just bringing back creatures it's also bringing back lands it's also working with um your resources to reuse and recycle what you've had yeah this is i think when people think of green this is one of the stronger archetypes that comes out just golgari Mm -hmm. graveyard stuff just bringing things back whether it be lands or creatures and just reusing them and just getting all that value from them. Yeah, and for a color that is so connected to the land and the world around them, they have a very strong emphasis on protecting the, the area around them, especially in these yep. woodland realms, right? So green creatures often act as protectors over the trees and the creatures living there. We see it with Elvish Vanguard, Titania, Protector Shouts of Argyle, <laughs> uh, Axebane Guardian, Timber Protector, like even in the names alone that you yeah. see what they're trying to do. They're yep. literally protecting the woods. Yeah, and then you see things like the, the Thalids, uh, on Dominaria, which the Thals are literally the shepherds over the saplings, right? They're literally they're, like plant people. Yeah, okay. they're they're these fungus individuals. The fungus among us. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that really try and like make sure that the world around them is cohesive and yep. evolving in a positive light rather than, again, like we keep saying, like this parasitic way that just 
takes what it wants from nature and doesn't give anything back. Yeah, yeah black kind of does it within greed and and green sort of it's hard to you know show in card text, but green does it sort of through love of the land. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's that they like restore nature. We see yeah, it in lighted woodland where it they like shapes it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like it it guides it, but it's not in a way that it's forcing the, the land to do anything. It's just allowing it to do it in the best way that it possibly can. Yeah, first. the most natural and yeah. accepted way that it can. And because green is so nature focused uh, so focused on the way that things should be in the natural world that's where you're going to find some really really good cards in the destruction of the unearthly like artifacts and enchantments so we've got very very quintessential cards like naturalize cross and grip bane of progress acidic slime all of these super like green staples that target enchantments and artifacts they also sort of have, they being green, has as a whole an aversion to flying. So they've got this sort of anti-flying uh, seed growing throughout the entire color. Uh, cards like Plummet, Windstorm, Dead Re- Deadly Recluse. This is often where you find a lot of cards with reach. Um, and then you've got cards like Return to the Earth, which is sort of both... Uh, anti-flying and anti you know non-natural artifact and enchantment you see something like return to the earth where things that are not of this earthly world things you know that are above the earth or think that they are above what you know like the natural order of things is kind of just get shut down yeah green sort of tends to be bigger things but on the ground and this goes with the idea that anything up in the air we don't really like. We Green's don't, really we don't down want to deal with man. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> they also have the idea that nature can overcome anything given enough time. And here we're talking about Corey's favorite land destruction. I don't know <laughs> if it's my favorite. And here we're talking I about fucking love it. Corey's favorite land destruction. <laughs> yeah, I'm cool with it. And here we're talking like about it. Corey's favorite. <laughs> I'm a gruel player through and through because those are there. You go. Those are heavy on the land destruction, even though. But I will say that one volley. Acid Moss. I fuck with. <laughs> yeah. Like, Creeping Mold is good, Ice Storm is good, but the Acid Moss is tight. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't think of green when they think of land destruction. Yeah, they usually think of white and red. But yeah, white. green is very efficient at it and usually gets some sort of added benefit from it. Yeah, and you can see the flavor of how green kills its lands, <laughs> um, mostly in the artwork uh, and maybe, like, the card titles, like Acidic Moss, uh Juan Vuli, acidic moss. Juan Vuli, yeah. Uh, creeping mold, ice storm. It's like the way that nature would get rid of the lands or yeah. overrun the land instead, instead of, of just like I burned it to death. Yeah, instead of blowing it up, it just yeah. takes it over. Yeah, it's not like it the, the people back, are basically. destroying it through you know wear and tear over time. It's just nature is reclaiming the land as it should be. Yeah, using yeah. fungus, and <laughs> nasty <Mold>. spores. <laughs> yeah, mold. <laughs> so I'm sure that everybody understands that green is all about strength. Right, And we see this with Mossport Bridge, which is the hideaway land for green, which cares about the power of the creatures around you, right? That's just raw strength. And there's a lot of different ways to delineate the strength that green provides, right? We've got individual strength, uh, the strength in numbers as well. And so green really likes this natural strength. This is creatures with high power and toughness or trample or both, right? We've got Craw Giant, Colossal Dreadmoss seems to be like the new staple that Wizards keeps on printing. Yeah. You know, 6-6 six, six for 6 with trample. It's just 
a very efficient creature with trample. It's probably bigger than everything else on the board. It's going to get through. It's going to do some damage, and it's going to eat things alive. Yeah, I think when people think of just base mono green, they either think elves or really, really big dudes. Yeah, like mono green Stompy yeah. is a deck archetype because it's just generate lots of mana, put out big things, stomp over everything. Yeah, they just Ramp crash hard. through. And kill hard. Yeah. I think a way that Watsi has tried to help those archetypes, because it's it's so hard to dump, you know, six, eight, ten mana into a creature and have it be countered by two mana or immediately killed. Um, they've built in this natural protection, how nature would protect its creatures. We've got cards like Leyline of Life Force, Prowling Serpapard, which is an <laughs> awful word. To say. Um, I love are, the card, honestly. Are, four three for three that so also can't be counted. Yeah, like yeah they're, they're ways to create an environment in which your creatures can't be countered. Um, they've also got some Hexproof and Shroud cards like Carnage Tyrant that just helps those big creatures that are such a huge mana investment be protected by the land itself. Yeah, this is kind of, as far as mechanics is concerned, the way that green deals with black especially, uh, but blue in there as well. is just that stopping your opponents from being able to react properly uh, it just protects you when you are sinking such a huge man investment into these creatures you want them to at least stick for one turn yeah. get the punch in you know it's kind of it's almost almost red in flavor that you want to get that like one punch yeah in, you're going to do it like you're just putting such a huge investment into it that you need to be able to protect it yeah i think, I think red and green have a huge overlap in what they do it's how they go about it that really delineates the two i was gonna say i think green Sort of this can't be countered mechanic. You see a little bit in red, but I think it's a lot of other colors don't deal with just hard counters like this. Like you just accept that your stuff might be countered unless you're also playing blue. But green is just like, nope, no counters. These creatures are coming through. Yeah. They're getting yeah. on the board. Hexproof and Shroud, I think the second most color is blue for those mechanics. Yeah. So this is kind of the way that not only green deals with blue, but the way that Blue and green work together. Yeah, it works with it. Green also has this idea of strength through survival, and it's 100% flavor. It's just this idea that if you live long enough and stay on the board and keep getting stronger and surviving turn after turn after turn, you'll just keep getting bigger and bigger and better and better. And so these are cards like Champion of Lambolt, Scoop Mob, Protein Hydra, Primordial Hydra. Another thing that green often associates with itself with is hydras which yeah. are usually just put all of your mana into this big big just thing yeah i'm currently like teaching my seven-year-old how to play um and he's he's super nerdy obviously we're playing magic he loves science and so when we talk about green we always talk about evolution it's like if you can beat out this turn you evolve you become better um and i think green is just such a huge exemplification of that theme of just being adaptive and being you know survival of the fittest just being ready to go ready to get bigger ready to to enable yourself to win through evolving yeah and you see that kind of through this idea that green has sometimes it needs a little help along there right we've got supernatural strength that comes in um whether that be through like these temporary pump spells or like enchantments things like that um, we see giant growth gift of strength uh one of my favorites berserk oh yeah 
these are just ways that you're trying to push through damage often. Uh, you're protecting your creatures in combat. Whatever happens to be, these are instant speed effects that really help your creatures survive and maintain a board presence. Yeah, based on the lore, it's kind of like nature giving its creatures an extra little magical bump to just keep them around for a little longer. A lot of them are like, you know, like you said, combat tricks and things like that. Yeah, I mean, giant growth is the the classic. Yeah. I think everyone knows, knows. you know, one mana, it's your plus three, plus three. Uh, It's part of this cycle that's super old as, I think, alpha probably. But every every color got a one mana three something effect you got you know lightning bolt does three damage giant growth gives plus three plus three the white one gives three life black one i think does black one is dark ritual which is three mana three mana and then blue is draw three cards there you go one of those is (laughs) is way better than everything else (laughs) but the green one is still very strong and i think the honestly think that it hasn't been reprinted for a long time and then it was finally reprinted in war of the spark and that kind of shows you the the power creep of the game right now is that if you're starting to print the one mana plus three plus three that's kind of going big, crazy yeah, right it's now. a it's War a big the spark went hard modern horizons obviously was crazy m20s went pretty hard yeah m20 definitely had some you know very strong cards in it uh we'll see how they play out in the long term we also mentioned last uh episode that red does some token generation and it may not be like the most uh the most quintessential color that you think of when we're talking about token um green fits that a little bit yeah green. <laughs> sorry a little I love bit more tokens. on the head yeah tokens is i think probably my second favorite thing like it goes enchantments and then tokens yeah it's, and it's if, the idea of strength and right yeah. yeah if if i can do both i'm gonna do both uh but yeah spoilers he has a deck that's built around that <laughs> both <laughs> who knew uh but yeah like green is very very good at token generation a lot of it you'll see is going to be elves yep uh you got lisa lana Huntmaster, imperious perfect uh but it goes beyond elves as well right sylvan offering avenger of zendikar very very strong card um and of course probably one of the most if not the most famous card from green at this point in time doubling season one copy of a token is good two is better if you can always just be pumping them out you're probably not going to lose. Well, when like three or maybe four of the main creature types of a color are built around token strategies, like elves, sapperlings, um, elemental sort of in a way, like, you know, you know, that color wants to go wide sometimes as well as, as big. Yeah. When you look at some of the stronger pairings that green has, a lot of it can produce tokens, whether it's the black green or white green, whatever. When green is thrown into the mix, tokens become an option and that is because of cards like doubling season or parallel lives like there's just very strong offerings from green to increase your token count and just be very efficient in how you do it yeah i think doubling season is one of those cards it's just it's not necessarily a card that goes in every deck but every deck that needs a doubling season has a doubling season and it's just too good yeah it's very very I was going to say broken, but it's just much stronger for it if it can use doubling season. And that's because it just cares about counters in general. It gets out of hand like so fast. <laughs> plus one, plus one counters, which Green absolutely loves. It's got loyalty counters. Yep. And then obviously the token doubling. It's just an insane card. And it's absolutely what Green wants to do. Green loves doubling season yep. because it wraps it all into a nice little package. It's all about increasing all of the strength of your horde. Um, when we talk about increasing strength, we've got a couple different ways 
that green will do that. So we've got the pump and dump on one creature where we're, we're looking at how many creatures we have and we're choosing our best and giving him power based on our army. Like everybody supporting our, our leader or our, you know. Or the guy that gets through. Yeah, yeah. The, the champion of your of the people, basically. Like yeah, this comes the exalted yeah. type mechanic for green. Yeah, this, this uh, is personified in cards like Strength in Numbers. And then we've got the mass pump, which is sort of <laughs> I don't I don't know about you guys, but this is where I get super scared of any green deck. No, this is where this I is love. where you lose. Yeah, this is the part that I love in green because it's so unassuming for a little bit. Like I mean, elf ball, we take it you know, as an example where you just you know it's, it's just a bunch of little elves, and then all of a sudden crater hoof behemoth, you're dead. Yeah, it's like I'm not using these elves to attack. These are my ramp cards. These are lands. What are you talking about? And then yeah, you've got cards like Beastmaster Ascension, Azuri Renegade Leader, Overrun, and like you said, Crater Hoof, which is just the worst fucking card in the yeah. world. I think a lot of people refer to this mass pump like go wide, go big as an overrun. Yeah, they're overrun and effects. So there's a lot of different cards like these ones are just some of them. But if you hear anybody talk about overrun mechanic, this is what they're talking about. Make a lot of little dudes and then pump them all up and then just kill everyone. Yeah. yeah. And this kind of ties us nicely into the last major topic of green, which is just growth. Like we heard about it in the Morrow quote, uh, but you hear in just cards, you know, we've got giant growth, titanic growth. Um, and we'll see this a lot in previous sections where just green is very efficient at growing creatures, taking these small creatures, evolving them into better creatures and it's just a theme that is throughout green, and green is just very good at doing it. Yeah, the mana symbol for green is a tree, which is literally growth. <laughs> it's built through it, through and through. Yeah, we've got creature growth, which comes in cards like Might of Oaks, Berserk, Momentum, Avatar of the Resolute. Green does a really good job of ramp. We've said it a hundred times. It's, it's trying to grow its creatures and it's trying to grow its land so you've got one of one of the most like quintessential green cards i think exploration you can just play extra land yep per turn uh you just Broken. outpace everybody yeah it's really good uh and then you got cards like rampant growth karametra's acolyte there's tons of green ramp cards yeah i think when people think of ramp just hard ramp yeah it's green just Kodama's Reach, Reach, Cultivate, yeah. Sylvan Scrying, yeah, yeah, just... There's almost too many. <laughs> all the, They're good for a reason, because they just get you so far ahead. Yeah, there's a reason yeah. why, when you think of EDH, oftentimes you think probably green is going to be on the list of your, your top, mm -hmm. as far as colors are concerned. That's because ramp is just such a very strong mechanic in a multiplayer game. Yeah, if you get access to land ramp and ramp on top of creatures... Yeah. You just get so much mana so quickly. When you're quickly. trying to outpace a mono red deck when it's one-on-one, -on -one, you have to be fast. When you've got four people, five people at the table, and you're trying to last into the longer game, ramp becomes extremely important. Green can just supplement that in nearly any deck. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's not just like trying to outpace your opponents, but it's just kind of like skipping turns because when you think about it, your opponents get three turns for every one that you get. So if you can skip yeah. a couple of those and just beat them that way then it's a very effective way just to get ahead on board. Yeah, anytime I find a commander or a couple commanders that do similar things, if I can find one that has more colors in its color identity, including green, almost always I'm going to select that. Even if it does it its ability slightly less efficiently, you just know that you have such an advantage of being able to build your board state quicker. It's, yeah. it's almost too good. You can make just 
multicolored decks, and the only green cards you use are just land just ramp rain. cards, yep. just to get you there. Yeah, I can't disagree. Like, green is just such a very strong color in EDH, and honestly, I think in a lot of different formats, green is just going to be reliable, because you know what green is going to do. You know what to expect out of it, and it's just... Honestly, I think it's probably the most consistent color, just because Wizards hasn't really mixed it up too much, and I think that's for the better, because like black and blue have seen so much changes over time. Yeah, I think red is very close, and it's kind of changed, but not as much. But green has always been big creatures, efficient creatures, ways to accelerate yourself in mana and in like tokens and stuff like that. And we kind of see that in this growth category, where we have not just growth of creatures individually or otherwise, but the growth of the many like we make massive amounts of creatures we pump them up and we're efficient in in that way yeah we've got cards like symbiotic beast arachnogenesis one dozen eyes parallel lives and wolf colors howl yeah arachnogenesis just a very strong card it's, it's just something that people never think about yeah it's a fun card well we've gone through a lot of green's ideas and mechanics but, it's personality yeah I feel like green is going to be the most straightforward. Yeah, this might episode might be on the shorter side, but it's just because green is, it just does a few things, but it does them so well yep. that you know what's happening yeah. if you're playing green with feels or like, against green. Yeah, green feels like it has a lot of repeats over time, but it's just different iterations of the same cards. And sometimes they're more efficient, sometimes they're a little slower, but that's kind of dependent on the format that they're in. Yeah, it just doubles down on the same effects and just gets better and better. And if better. it ain't broken... Don't fix exactly. it. Exactly. Green I is think... a very nostalgic color, and it, it ties so tightly with its lore that it's just... Mm-hmm. It, I would encourage people to go back and not only build more green decks, first of all, but also like look at your card titles, look at their abilities, and look at the art, because everything is so intertwined in green. It's just so... It's just a badass color. And I think that this kind of is underspoken, but... Look at the flavor text. Yeah. I think that flavor text says such a massive amount about the lore of the cards, even more than the art, is that the the lore of a card is so dependent on the set, the art, flavor text, everything together. And so looking at all of it together kind of paints a picture of what is actually going on. Yeah, I think some of the most famous cards in all of Magic are actually green cards. So these are cards like Guy's Cradle. Yeah. Cards everybody knows. Birds of Paradise. Lanoir Elves. Lanoir Elves. Like, everybody knows all of those cards. Because yeah. they exemplify green so well. Now, before we get into some of the more finite mechanics and creature types, um, I want to go back through and give a, another quick review on these beers here. I guess I'll start it out here. Um, I've noticed Drew has been like throw up. sipping slightly less than normal. <laughs> it's not my favorite beer. I've had many a beer in my life. I think I'm pushing actually like close to a thousand different beers. I was trying to think the other day of like realistically how many many different beers I've had. And in the past, what, four and a half years that I've been drinking, I've probably had close to a thousand plus different beers. Now your next challenge is to drink a thousand of one type of beer. (laughs) A thousand Bud Lights. No. A thousand Guinnesses. Okay. A thousand Land Sharks. I could do that. But this That's one sponsored by Landshark. <laughs> Jimmy Buffett, where you at? <laughs> I will say that this is not my favorite beer. It's not the worst sour I've had. I can respect the flavors that they're going for here. I, you definitely taste the lime. It's kind of like mm. a salted lime, which is okay. But the kind of 
acidic taste to it is just not for me. It's it's probably heresy, but it's reminiscent of tequila in that it's everything you want to go with your tequila. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like a little salty, a little acidic. I bet mixing some tequila with that a sequence would actually be pretty good. So do a let's say Jaeger bomb. Yeah. But oh, tequila bomb? God. Tequila, tequila bomb, bomb with a session sour. We'll try it. Correction. You'll try it. I'll try it. I'll try it. I'll, I'll report back. It's super sour, super tart, a little funky, and not super fruity. Unfortunately, like a lot of the sours, you kind of want them to be like fresh tart. This is not that. Agreed. Like the lime, the lime is definitely present, but I feel like it's not, but it's, it's not overwhelmingly there. It's, yeah, it's more of a drier yeah. sort of citrus. Yeah. I agree that the salt is pretty prominent, which kind of It's definitely a gose, which is, the, you know, yeah. the, the salted sours, they're... They're okay to me. Like I'm not, I'm not crazy about them, but everyone else seems to like them. So good on you. I do like them. So I was drinking the Seaquake IPA, hazy IPA. The can is dope. I'm definitely feeling it at this point. I like, I like the can a little more than I like the beer. I don't know. I don't think it's the best hazy IPA. I've had a lot of hazy IPAs because they're more mild. They, yeah, they're a lot more mild. It's a lot easier to drink on the IPA scale for me. And this one's really good. I do like it. I would definitely get it again. I don't know. Absolutely. I think that this, I mean, it's not my favorite favorite. IPA. Honestly, my brother's IPA that we had before the first episode that we ever did was- Oh, the one that he homebrewed? Yeah. It was one of my favorite IPAs just because it was so crushable. Like, it was so good. So just fruity and aromatic. But this one, I honestly rate very highly. I think that this is a very good IPA. I think that the fact that they're able to put so much flavor into it without just shoving this bitterness down your throat is yeah. it's it's definitely notable it's like yeah. something that you should praise the I fact think. that it's 35 IBUs just i think that says a lot about how much just flavor comes out and very little bitterness it's super easy to drink yeah i think for a lot of people the hops is just something that's overwhelming yeah it's intimidating and because of that yeah exactly it's intimidating and you don't get to appreciate the flavor that hops bring to the table and i think that hops in beer is something that becomes understated because of that i think that hops are just a necessary component and sometimes it's a necessary evil but in this case i think that they they balanced it very well to to make a very delightful beer i think this is a fantastic perfectly good summer ale oh yeah shout out to seaquake Crescent City. I mean, hops are like the quintessential piece of beer in general. Um, yeah, they're one I of the four. There's the first word that comes much. to me when I drink that is complex. Like you said, you get hops. It's super bitter for a guy who doesn't like IPAs. But there's fruity notes. There's a little bit of like beer funk. There's some citrus there. Um, I, I totally agree with both of you guys. It's absolutely one of the better IPAs I've ever had. Yeah, I think when I bought this beer, I tried to. I only got this one hazy IPA because I didn't know how it was going to be. Yeah. But then I, I tried to get. I think I got Gary's brother Sean just a double, straight up double IPA. Which honestly, like, even though it was a double IPA, the way he described that beer was. Oh yeah, I didn't get mm-hmm. to try that one, but I think it was like brewed with pine and juniper and juniper, mm-hmm. which sounds like a Sean beer through and through. He he drank all of it before he even got home, so I never got even got to try it. <laughs> yeah, I was a little bit mad and I went on a trip to Oregon and I told Sean, I brought bought you two beers, but you're sharing them. Because after Corey had I his I should have told him that. Yeah, I was a little upset because I wanted to try that one. Yeah. Even though I'm not big on IPAs and double IPAs absolutely kick me in the teeth. 
but at the same time, I want to. I want to try. Yeah, he described it as drinking a tree. <laughs> But that sounds amazing. Yeah, I, I sound like honestly, that Jennifer. sounds like exactly all of the alcohol things I don't fucking <laughs> like. I don't like gin, and I don't yeah. like super hoppy IPA. But I think in this context, like where we're reviewing it, instead of just trying to smash a whole beer, oh yeah, uh, I think it would be interesting to try because, like you said, they are complex. Like if you can get past that first like pucker of oh my god, there's a plant in my mouth. Uh, there's a lot of flavor there. Yeah, as Sean described, a couple years ago, we went to Seattle, and we went to Elysian Brewery, and they've had some very, very good beers over time, and he got the Space Dust IPA, which was the oh, first yeah, one from, oh, okay. from Elysian that, that I had tried, sick. and that one actually like brought me into IPAs in a new light, and then he had this other one, which I don't know if it is a, like, a classic that they have or whatever. But it was, I think it was either lavender. It was a lavender beer because yeah. I tried his and immediately ordered that one. Yeah, and it was, ugh, it was a tasty beer, but it was so different and unusual. It's a yeah. lavender IPA. IPA, yes. Yeah, Ooh. it was and incredible. That's bizarre. It was, it it really was. It was I didn't very like IPAs back then. Very tasty. So it was good. enjoyable. It was crushable, as they say. Yeah. And it it puts IPAs in a new light for me after that. Speaking. Of crushable. <laughs> oh, oh! I've got. I'm glad the, you picked up on that. Yeah, I've got the Ten Barrel Brewing Company Crush Cucumber Sour. Now, the one I've been sipping on was a little little itty bitty can, and it was the three point two percent. It's the Utah beer. Those of you who have listened for for a little while, you know, we're based out of Utah. The fucking beer laws are weird. Three point two. We don't support it. We don't. No, we do not. Three point two percent is like the limit that you can stock in grocery stores. So I just picked some of these up because they looked delicious. But it turns out that Drew had a very similar idea while he was in Colorado. Is that where you were at? No, this one I actually got when I was in Idaho, the motherland. Shout out to Marcellers as always. Whenever oh, yeah. I go to Idaho Falls, I always go to Marcellers. They had the hookup and. We decided, since everybody has a taller can than me, and I'm drinking half as much, not half as much, but close, we're going to crack both of them open, right? Yeah, so, so this one's the Gary and already had the Utah, and now we're going to dive into the yeah. the full flavor. So I'm going to go for the first sip, which is, this is the sour that I can enjoy. The one but that I usually drink. This is the oh, Colorado version. Yeah. <laughs> Idaho version. This is the 5% crushed cucumber sour. And so this is the full strength version. We actually finally get to... Enjoy that instead of the Utah version. Uh, but Marcellers hooking us up as always. They're fantastic to us. And they are honestly just, I don't know, like I love just the massive selection. Like if you have yeah, a beer I, store that just has, I don't know, they've got like 200 plus sometimes. Like it's insane. I love the selection. It's a, it's a tiny store, but one wall is just beer and the other wall is just wine. wine. Yep. And so anytime we go back to Idaho, that's where we always go. So I don't know if you remember what the Utah one was like. But there absolutely is a difference. I, I would guess they water it to get the percentage down of ABV. Yeah, that's definitely kind of what it what it feels like. But that is definitely, it's more of a full-bodied flavor. Uh, it's like that, a little more zingy on the tongue. Yeah. Honestly, it reminds me if you have like a nice beer and then you have like a light version of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, I think that's what they do for a lot, for a lot of the light ones is water them down. Mm-hmm. Uh, but holy shit, that's delicious, first of all. That's a tasty beer. Extremely fresh. Tart, but not crazy tart. Yeah. Um, it's got a nice sweetness cu- to it. The honestly. cucumber is weird. Like, you wouldn't think that it would be good, but it's yeah. so good. <laughs> it's 
it's fresh and citrusy in the way that the meat of a cucumber is, but it's not bitter and rindy like the outer edges of a cucumber. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah it's so good. Uh, one of my favorites as far as sour goes. Although, bro, you got to you got to try the lemon, the dude. Fish. I know. The lemon and the tangerine. We're going to have to do a whole crush episode. Apricot. I don't know. It's oh, so that would be good. a fun episode. Let us know if you guys want that. But before that, Let's finish this episode on green. Let's talk about mechanics, and I'm going to jump in to creature types. So obviously, green, Classic you can't talk about green type. without talking about elves. Elves. Right? Uh, more recently, we've gotten dinosaurs, which, after the errata, turns out there were some old beasts that happened to be hidden dinos. Oh, God. We got druids, archers, beasts, which is just a classic one. Hydras is that big, punchy green one. Yeah. Uh, a little bit of thalids, tree folks, sapperlings. And if you want to throw a little bit of spice in there, spiders. Gross. I respect him. <laughs> I'm afraid of him. <laughs> Some of the quintessential like card mechanics that green embodies fight, trample, reach, and then this poison and venom theme, which you guys know I'm not a huge fan of like infect counters and shit, but. I think the way that it ties into the natural order of things and like the lore that green embodies, I do like that it has some of that poison and venom. Absolutely. And when we're talking about fight, we're talking about the specific like target creature you control fights other creatures. We're talking about mutant spray, hunt the hunter, savage punch, these types of things where your creature deals damage to other creature with its power and that creature does damage equal to your creature with its power. Yeah, instead of just destroy target creature it's you use your creature and it destroys another creature yeah. usually because you green has this giant the other one. punchy motherfuckers yeah that's yeah. just ready to well, you rely on your big boys to take out their yeah a lot of times you find any, any all of their boys <laughs> yeah a lot of times you find in gameplay where like you attack with a big old fatty he doesn't have trample and someone chumps with a one one right so this is a way that green circumvents that it's kind of like the like mutants prey like they say in the name prey like this is like hunting this is me saying i'm a big creature and i'm going to decide to kill this other big creature because i know i can beat him you know what i mean so you're a four four and you kill the three three you didn't get the chance to chump block because i got you yeah in that same vein we got prey upon of course yeah just a classic just i'm gonna eat you yeah like i am bigger i am stronger i win simple uh, same kind of ideas in Trample, right? Aggressive Mammoth, yep. Brawn, uh, very good. Like we talked about Anger before. Anger, one of my personal favorite cards just because of the way that gives everything haste and allows you to sacrifice the creature, whatever. Like, I love Anger. Uh, but Brawn is the incarnation in green where if it's in the graveyard and you control a forest, your creatures get trampled. And that's massive in green because yeah. not all of your big fatties have trampled. They've got other abilities perhaps, uh, but just give them trample, run over, run over everything. Yeah, this is, it kind of contrasts, or it goes well with red, which is high power and just trying to break through and do as much damage as possible. And then green has the high power and the high toughness. So it's just big dudes all around just getting through no matter what. Yeah, it's going to trample over everything and survive and probably get stronger because of it. Yeah. Green places emphasis on all their big dudes surviving and keeping going and all this stuff while red just throws (laughs) big dudes at you. Yeah, it just chucks it at your face. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't care, but green wants to keep them around and make them bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, there's a reason why fling is in red and not green. (laughs) Um, We've also got reach, which is sort of another mechanic of like hating on flyers. It's very prominent in spiders, but it's in a couple other 
Yeah, we got Grazing Whiptail, which honestly surprised me at like how strong of a card it was. But it's three four for four. You just you probably still play that, but with Reach, it just kills every little dude. Yeah, yeah, it gets rid of a lot of hell of a tail. Is what he does. (laughs) It gets rid of a lot of annoying people. Don't swing that shit. Like blue white skies. Me Grazing Whiptail. Guess what? I win. Sorry, bud. We've also got Giant Spider, and then Atsukan Archer. Yeah, um, there's a lot of archers, aren't there, in, in green? Yeah, archer is actually one of the subtypes of green that yeah. is kind of... Lots of elves and... Yeah, it's kind of something shit. that I think is understated in green, but they went through and errated a lot of the creatures that had bows and made them archers, <laughs> like, eh, and a significant amount of them were in green, and they have reach. Because, it, I mean, it thematically, it makes sense. Yeah. What's also cool about some of the a lot of the archers really is that not only do they have reach, but they have these big toughness. So they can, you know, swat some of those little bitches out of the sky, you know, that are kind of like coming in quick, like a lot of the birds and things like that. It's sort of a way to combat that strategy of like a bunch of little weenies coming over the top. They say, nope, I'm hunting you. Get you out of there. <laughs> um, and they don't die to that combat. And Gary kind of talked about the infect side of it, but it's not just infect when we're talking about poison and venom. Right. It's also death touch. Which is huge. Yeah. Yeah. In green, Death Touch is actually almost as common as it is in black, right? And so we've got Sedge Scorpion, Deadly Recluse, which I think every time I see it in a set, I know that the flyers in the set are probably very powerful. They have this one, two for two that has reach and Death Touch to make sure that you can handle the flyers in the set. And it tells me that the set's going to be powerful in its flyer category so that you have to run the sort of thing. And And I'm always going to pick it up and draft. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I love that they do it in such a lore-centric way. Instead of just saying, oh, random creature has death touch. Rat, um, death touch. Right, like, like sense, black but... is very plague and like disease. Green goes the other way. It's like literally venomous creatures in the world, like spiders. Yeah, snakes and spiders. It, it hits yep. you just once. Scorpions. You did. Yeah, yeah. yeah you don't want to fuck with that guy. Um, even and then Infect. Guys. I mean, we'll, we're actually going to have an episode on Infect very soon here, uh, but... I'm talking about Glistener Elf, Cory and mine's favorite, Triumph of the Hordes. Oh, yeah. Overperformer, just absolute all-star. Game winner. Uh, Malira, Silvak Outcast, which kind of counter counteracts the Infect. Trample the and here. Infect? I'm sorry, guys. I'm late to this party. I just read Triumph of the Hordes. You guys are awful people. <laughs> yeah, and that's how you win in Omnath. Uh, that's yeah. true. Five fives? Yeah, as and, if you needed Trample and, and The infect. worst part yeah. is you give Omnath... Infect, oh, and then, oh, so then the damage, the damage, damage. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. That's you, whoever you don't core. kill swinging out, you just sack them. Save just for the infect people. discussion. Yeah, <laughs> gross. So another thing that you see in green, I think more than any other color, is regeneration. Right, yeah. you've got cultural troll. There's an elf that does it. I don't remember what his name is. Uh, Azuri so Red many. Renegade Leader actually yeah, has it on him. Azuri does it. Um, and then we also have plus one plus one counters, and one of the more underspoken mechanics which is lures we've got actual card lure elvish bard and it provokes the creature of your opponent into attacking so that you can eat it with your big creature yeah i like the i like how lore centric lure is too it's like you find your big creature like draw the attention like oh shit that guy go get him and then the rest of your guys get him for some damage trample in with the 10 10 yeah it's great but when it comes to plus one plus one counter generation and manipulation green reigns supreme i don't care what really you say does. but green is definitely your go-to we've got yeah, forgotten it's not Ancient. just generating plus one it's also like you said manipulating yeah moving them around yeah. you know like we've got doubling season hardened scales like i said forgotten ancient very good at it like these 
effects that are just so strong. And when it comes to the... A lot of the Simic guilds, like the Ravnican guilds... Yeah, uh, I was going to say, like, one of, the, one of the decks that I was running on uh, Magic Gathering Online was a Miracle Grow deck. And it was based around just this plus one, plus one counter theme. And the green cards honestly carried the deck. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think another big subtype of green decks that people think about is plus one, plus one counters. Yep. And it's because of these cards, Hardened Scales, Doubling Season, and just the fact that you can put them on every creature and just make everything so much bigger. Yeah, and they definitely haven't gotten weaker over time. Like, Rishkar, Pima Renegade, very oh, strong yeah. card. Pump Sings and adds mana. Yeah. And then the last mechanic that green relies on that one of our friends absolutely loves are fog effects. And these are Which just... Which friend is this? Michael. Michael. He, made a, he made a pocket fog deck. <laughs> so fog effects are basically just prevent all damage. Right. Combat just, damage usually. But Yeah, most of the time it's just combat damage, but, but there's a couple like weird that. ones that do all damage and there's like moon mist which prevents damage from non-werewolves but basically we have a meme in our group which is like people know the pocket sand joke yeah and so we have a a meme in our play group which is just pocket fog which is basically just because of michael he just pull a fog out of nowhere in random decks that you would never expect fog and he just pulls a fog exactly and so like one man just like hey by the way it's like you can't oh i'm gonna win i can do it do 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 swing 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 get all this damage do all this math and then michael just pocket fogs you're all tapped out he wins yeah (laughs) i mean in a lot of circumstances it functions like a teferi's protection if if you're in a combat centric meta like yeah you just shit i he's like nope i didn't get him (laughs) yeah yeah and usually it's like an alpha alpha brawl effect where you're just like i'm going all out yeah so one of the things that we've hinted at or just harped on over and over again here is that green is insane at mana ramp mana fixing all that sort of goodness right it can be creature based enchantment land uh just increasing the land drops that you can have per turn it's got landfall randomly like oh yeah there are so many ways to include mana ramp in green that it's the best color for it every it really single is. time yeah so we're talking about creature base we're talking about land of war elves we're talking about birds of paradise uh, Findhorn Elves, you know, the knockoff Land of War Elves. What's the, is it Triplicate Elves or what's the yeah, the, three Yeah, it was one? like Land of War Tribe. Yeah. The newest it's literally one. just Land of War Elves times three. Yeah. <laughs> Which you're going to see I that. mean, oh, yeah, so, it's really yeah. good. Yeah. Three mana in, in green. Also, mm-hmm. just you can untap it. Yeah, six there's mana. also like Protector of Titania or Priest of Titania. Priest. I think it is. Yes, yeah, Priest. Uh, you're just adding mana for every elf you've got. So yeah, green, he's an all-star. Very good at it. I mean, we talked about enchantment base, right? So you got mana doubling, like Zendikar Resurgent, as well as just like increasing your the mana production of your lands, like Marker Festival. Plus, you've got cards like Cultivate Kodama's Reef, Sky Shroud Claim. I mean, you just got all these, you know, like land-based, just Honestly, a, a just, spell that just says very good more cards land. that are just staples of the EDH, you know, commander format, as well as very good in other formats. Yeah, and yeah. I think the reason that a lot of these land tutors are so good is that they don't just get green cards you yeah. don't just get forests they get well, any except for sky stretch claim but basically green does an extremely good job of getting any and all land that you need yeah and then if you can just elevate your landfall triggers every turn just get multiple ones every turn yeah it quickly gets out of hand yeah, you, you pair some landfall cards with cards like exploration, and you've got you've got yeah. a mess on your hands. It gets yeah. There's a reason why so fast, fast bond is banned. In yep. Some 
Another way that green seeks out some of its advantage in its gameplay is through card draw. Um, some raw card draw that it has are cards like Harmonize um, and Greater Good. I think the way that they incorporate lore there is really cool too because with cards like Greater Good, you have to sacrifice a creature in order to draw as many cards per power. Um, and it's like recycling like your resources in order to gain more resources. Yeah, and I think another good card draw spell is Rishkar's Expertise. Yep. Which I love that card. I keep putting it in, in every single green deck because so it, good. it pays off every yeah, single But time. it's such good green flavor because it's card draw, but it's based off your creature's power. So the bigger your dude is, the more cards you get to draw. Yeah. And it gives you a free spell, which is yeah. never bad. Green has a surprisingly large amount of good card draw spells that, yeah. I think, again, it's undervalued in green because everyone focuses so much on creature and combat that the card draw kind of slips under the, under the wayside. Yeah, I think the reason people just overlook it is because it's li- literally creature-based card draw. So it's yep. when you cast a creature spell, draw a card. Yeah, you got like Primordial Sage, Beast Whisperer from yeah, so the Ravnica good. sets, the recent ones. And then... Enchantress, my jam. Yep. I fucking love <laughs> this archetype. Argothian Enchantress, just overperformer every single time you get her out. So good. I yeah, just love this it's just, archetype. Instead of just, hey, I'm going to draw a bunch of cards off this instant sorcery, it's just like, I'm going to put a creature out who's eventually going to draw me cards, or I'm going to play creatures yeah. that draw me cards. It's just all about creatures and getting permanents onto the battlefield. Yeah, and some of them are just enchantresses in general. Yeah. Like, you, I mean, the the new Bant Commander, very good. I just, I don't know, I love that archetype. I think it's so fun. And then, of course, we have other well-known draw cards. Greater Good, of yep. course. Yeah, Garen brought it's that just, one up. Yeah, it's just, it's just solid. It's just a, an essential part of green. And then we've got our removal in green, we've got the Anti-Flyers. We talked about that before. Artifact and Enchantment Hate. We've, again, talked about that before. Land Destruction. Surprisingly strong in green. And then these fight cards where, you know, you want to have the bigger creatures. Green is probably going to have the bigger creatures. And just fight. 1v1. 1v1, me bro. It yeah. gets around evasion. I mean, you have a 6-6 six, six and someone else has a 5-4 flyer. You still fight that creature. Yeah, green, it has good removal, but it does it in different ways like yep. we've sort of talked about this with all the other different colors but green removal is centered a lot on creatures so this is that a lot of creatures that come in and destroy stuff or come in and fight stuff or like as we have right here they have the occasional instant sorcery like beast within which is straight up blows up whatever the fuck you want yeah it is just straight up permanent rule and this is rare in any color yeah but it's, like, it's especially rare in green that usually focuses on creatures or land and beast within any permanent it's so strong one thing that green really lacks on are the board wipes yeah, out the, of any the color board wipe category yeah green i think is probably the weakest like yeah. the, what it does it does incredibly well yeah but when it lacks it really struggles yeah, yeah it is basically it has a couple of good artifact and enchantment board wipes like bane of progress bane of my existence yeah and then there's there's like a i think wave of vitriol is mass land destruction yeah and there's a couple of but they're just like there's no green destroy all creatures there's yeah, no the, green wrath of the, god the there's nothing that like that is Azuri's predation which generates a 4-4 beast and each beast you generate is based on the creatures your opponents have and then they fight so again, it comes back to this: my creatures are bigger than your creatures. Sometimes they aren't, or yeah. just crater hoof. But that's not really what you want in a board. That's not like a traditional board <laughs> yeah. wipe. Yeah, it's sense. not just 
play it, blow everything up. It's just like destroy. Yeah, we're gonna have some shit go down. <laughs> yeah, and Azuri's predation, I think, is probably the most common, if not just like the generally accepted strongest board wipe for creatures in green, just because. Most creatures probably aren't going to reach for toughness, and your creature is just going to punch them. And then also, you just have this like incidental token generation, which, as long as your creatures survive, yeah, massive yeah, you bunch of dudes. Yep. Um, the way that green does tutors is a little bit different than obviously black. We've talked about how black has the best tutors, and blue's got some tutors. Green does really well with creature tutors. Yeah, absolutely. Black. You get whatever you want. Yep. Blue, just get a card. You're probably yep. going to get instant sorceries. And on the Maybe occasion, you've got like some artifacts or yeah. just like the the very rare ones, which is just like you get what you want. But those ones are few and far between. Green, very Overly centered costed. on creatures. Yep. Yeah. I don't think there's any green tutors that aren't just get a creature. Yeah. They're just go find a creature with. Some stipulation. Yeah, Unless say, I'm, I'm looking through. I'm looking through it's the either list creature that I have here, <laughs> yeah. and it's creature, 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 and then I know that there's just the lands that are. Ramp I was gonna spells. say most ramp spells are technically tutors, yeah. but yeah, uh, we've got cards like birthing pod, yes. Genesis wave, yes. court of calling, absolute fauna shaman, yes, green sun's zenith. I'll take two, <laughs> and tooth and nail. Game Expensive winner. Absolutely yeah. crushes opponents. And so this just feeds back into the idea that green is just all about creatures all the time yeah yep. you and can't really tutor for any other answer except your creature based answers yeah and along with that like green we're gonna say time and time and again is insane when it comes to token generation like the reason why doubling season is so insane is not just because you know it doubles your planeswalker effect or the plus one plus one counters that it puts on creatures like the fact that you're able to double every single token that you put out is unreal yeah anything that you make gets doubled basically Yep. Stupid. Yeah. People talk about white and black as life gain colors, but green has a surprisingly large amount of life gain yep. in it. Which kind of makes sense because you're drawing your power and your lifeblood from the land, and so the land would reward you for playing in that way. Yeah, I think one of the old, old life gain cards from green is like Stream of Life. Yeah. And it's literally just like this person it's in a like river you found the fountain yeah, yeah it's the one like you a just, fountain of youth yeah you basically of. just tap out and you gain that much life yeah it's yeah. just i think it's like x and green gain that much life yep not good no oh yeah it's still a part of green that has been part of green since the beginning of magic yeah it's well old, old yeah green. i was gonna say 1v1 it was okay because you were looking at that tempo advantage where right. you you know you didn't it's expend you all of rip. your mana yeah yeah you just yeah, give that extra turn if or you two. can ramp really hard oh god yeah which you yeah, can. 12 life is significant in a 1v1 game. Let's just restart this game, motherfucker. <laughs> Here we go. Let's keep going. Yeah. Except I uh, have a bunch of big dudes now. Right. Yeah, and the last part of the general green mechanics that we have here is grave hate. Green loves interacting with its own graveyard and is not a big fan of you doing that. Yep. It's kind of like, uh, you know, the... The recyclers of the earth go in and find those black players that are abusing their graveyards and say, hey, that is not how you naturally interact with your graveyard. So this is kind of like how red hates artifacts and blows all of them up. But also uses but them. But also for relies on them super hard. And there's yep. a lot of red artifact manipulation. There's also a lot of green graveyard hate and graveyard synergies. Yeah, it's like red envies artifacts, so it kills all the artifacts exactly. that are real. Um, if you're using it, but I want blow it up. I, I think the best card in Grave Recursion is just 
in green is Eternal Witness. That's another one of those cards <sighs> yeah, that everybody yeah. knows. Everyone, everybody would say plays. Genesis, but yeah, Ewit definitely. Yeah, Genesis is very strong, strong in and of yeah. itself, but Eternal Witness, like we kind of joke around about Ewit, but it's just one of those cards. If you're playing anything with green, you're probably you're just going to yeah. throw that in there. Yeah. It, it's so hard to cut that over anything because yeah. it's it's. Do I want to add another thing that maybe does do good synergy? Maybe does work with this deck, or, or do, do I, I just want to have get, an extra copy of something? Yeah, just get it no back. Yeah, yeah. So we've kind of gone through the the general logistics of green, but we have our last category, as always, that which encapsulates it all. <laughs> Basically, we're talking about <laughs> Planeswalkers and the command and confluence cycle. Yeah. For Planeswalkers, we've got Garrick, Primal Hunter, Vivian Reed, who has become just a powerhouse in standard. Yeah, she's one of the newer Planeswalkers, but she's so good. And Freilis Lanowar's Fury. As far yeah. as the command and confluence cycle, we've got Primal Command, incredibly strong and verdant confluence yeah both of those cards sort of encapsulate everything that green's trying to do you got some life gain you got recursion you, you want to tutor a creature good yeah yeah green like we've said green does do a lot of stuff but it does it very well and just doubles down on all of that yeah that which it does is just creatures ramp yeah plus and plus encounters tokens which is why a lot of times when you find multicolored decks if they're including green it's specifically for those things that it does so well yeah it just synergizes really well with a lot of other colors because yep. it does those things just so well almost too good i mean i would, I would say the things that green does well it does the best out of any any colors yeah so that is our general coverage of green our synopsis our coverage of the lore and the mechanics and how they interact together. Our love note to green. Hell yeah. <laughs> and this is our last episode of our Color Wheel series. We made it. But I'm just going to say that we're not done. Oh, hell This no. might be the last of the Color Wheel series, but there's so much more to magic than just individual colors. We've got the color pairs. We've got the shards and the wedges, as well as the four color series. And... We're going to try and do our best to cover them in the best light that we possibly can. So look forward to that in the future. It might not be the next few episodes, but we'll get to them eventually. And I know I hate to use the word eventually, (laughs) but we are going to focus on those. We actually have notes on basically all of these color pairs and the shards and the wedges. And so we're going to wrap up our color wheel series here. Next, hopefully we're going to jump into the Commander 2014 cycle before that, hopefully we've got another episode just to fill in the gap there so that way we're not talking about all Commander all the time. We do play these other formats, and we love these other formats. We personally, as a group, play EDH together as our main format, but it's not the only thing we do. Next, we're going to talk about Infect. We're going to have oh, just gosh. a general discussion about it, and me and Corey, I wouldn't necessarily say that we're all on board, but we're a fan. Garion is going to take the negative side on this. And so we're just going to see how this discussion goes. We're going to just be completely candid on it. We're not going to be writing up show notes as we usually do. We're just going to come in, balls to the walls, see what happens. I'm so into alternate win cons, but Infect is the (laughs) only one that really just pisses me off so bad. (laughs) And after that, hopefully we can get our buddy Michael on, who is the king of alternate win cons of our play group. And if we can get him on, you guys really see the perspective that changes when normal combat and normal ways to win the game isn't actually what you're looking for yep it's kind of an interesting way to like strategically just change your game plan and just decide you know what instead of combat today we're gonna try something else we're yeah try some weird counters yeah when you, when you tr- change the rules of the game the entire game changes for all players yep but until then we want to remind you guys we don't want you to drink underage you know obviously that shit's illegal so 
Be safe. Be responsible. Don't drink and drive. We want you guys to be safe out there. If you're drinking along with us, enjoy your beers. Let us know, right? Share it with us on YouTube, of course. Obviously, Untap Upkeep Drink. Instagram, we're at Untap Upkeep Drink. Yep. Twitter and Facebook, we're at UUD Podcast. So please share it with us. Let us know what's going on. And of course, don't forget to check out our Twitter and Instagram for Drew's Off the Show Brews. That is to say, Drew's Brews, where we're going to be reviewing beers that we've had off the show. And hopefully you guys enjoy those ones and can check them out at wherever they are found in your local area. Yeah, let us know if you guys have tried any of these beers and what your opinions are. Or if you have any beers that you think we would like based off of these beers. We're always looking for more beers. Yeah, we're always interested in more beers, mixed drinks, whatever. Like, if you've got a favorite drink, share it with us. Let us know. Like, we legitimately want to know yeah. what's going on here. We like the funky stuff. I mean, some of us like the funky stuff. I like the funky just, stuff. I like the funky stuff. I'm always up for new things. I'll say that. So thank you guys for listening. Thanks you for joining in. As always, have fun, but not too much. Bye.